0: We have a look on the ASA. Oh my gosh, they're all going against the wind.
1: It was basically a cube with inside of sphere, where the points of the cube uh, were touching
0: outside of sphere. Hey, <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> Woohoo! Roger, uh, they're shooting. See what the fuck is that?
1: So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi everyone and welcome back to another Contact in the Desert special preview interview. Delighted to see I've got another one of my former guests on the podcast with me, Deep Prasad. Before I bring Deep on, I just want to remind everyone that you can see Deep Simeon Hine, Linda Moulton Howe, Eric Von Daniken and over 60 other speakers at this year's Contact in the Desert Virtual Expo running from the 25th to the 28th of June. Tickets are available now at www.contactinthedesert.com and you can look at out for more interviews from people like deep including ryan sprague ralph blumenthal and others coming very soon linda Moultonhouse, booked in andrew gallimore grant cameron and some more so keep an eye out for those thanks for all the feedback on the first one Miss simian Hine. it's a new format so i appreciate it without further ado let me just say uh, good morning where you are to deep Prasad how are you doing today deep
0: good morning andy uh it's a fantastic morning i'm doing great thanks
1: for asking Awesome. And I appreciate your time. Like I say, it's it's early where Deep is. So he's got up and kicking off the day joining us on the podcast to discuss his appearance at Contact in the Desert, but just a little bit more as well. Deep, for people who might not necessarily, they'll have heard your name, I'm presuming, but not know what you do and your involvement uh, with Contact in the Desert. What's a little bit of your background?
0: Sure, Andy. So um, my background is formerly in quantum computing and engineering. I've been running a one of the world's Uh, first quantum computing startups for a few years now we do research and work with quantum computers for materials discovery so what my primary focus is is really split into two uh one is focusing on the science and technical development side and the second is leading business development to um And yeah, that's usually what my time is preoccupied by. But however, somewhere along the way, I ended up becoming very obsessed with uh, UFOs and started to do research there. Uh, I've done even some work there too. I've advised certain government agencies when it comes to UFOs and UAP. So um, my background ended up intersecting with UAPs in a really unexpected way. I've written um, many articles that look at the physics and engineering of UAPs. And I also try to do uh, community and private research into the field.
1: Now, I'm going to ask, Deep, is this your first expo like this that you've taken part of? Certainly. I think
0: that uh, of this scale, something that's fully virtual, uh, this will be a first.
1: Now, what excites me about you being involved, and I'm going to put Ryan Sprague into this as well, is when you see these expos, a lot of people can point to the fact it's the same names and faces. Now, there's a lot of new names and faces at this one, which I think will attract a different audience. And you stand out by a mile, given your age. Now, you're pretty young compared to most of the speakers appearing on this. Same with Ryan, and it's great to see some younger speakers in the subject of ufology uaps ufos quantum physics you know ryan's a researcher and an author it's great to see you involved what do you think about people like your age getting involved with, with the expos do you think that's a good thing and that it's, it's long overdue
0: yes uh, i certainly think it's long overdue it's um you, you know I, I totally agree ryan is an amazing guy who brings a lot of youthful energy uh to the field. Um and I would say you're young too, Andy, like relatively speaking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so um uh when it comes to you know uh presenting at this expo and having younger people, um the the hope is to inspire other people my age, you know, other Gen Z and maybe even millennials, you know, the slightly older generation to start coming out to these things. And even if they want to just participate as an audience member rather than a speaker. We, we should start somewhere,
1: but it's uh, high time. What can people who attend the expo or view, I see attend, it's virtually, so you're still attending virtually, but what can people who purchased a ticket for the event expect to see from you deep?
0: When it comes to studying UAP and UFOs, one thing that sort of becomes glaringly obvious, and, and I think that uh being in the field yourself for a while, Andy, you'll appreciate this, is the lack of repeatability and certainly the lack of general prerequisites for this subject to be easily studied by science. Likewise, it's also not easily studied by religion. There's lots of gaps in terms of understanding the underlying mechanism of the phenomenon that isn't possibly captured or covered by either science or religion. So it, as it turns out uh, what I from my observations uh, there isn't any proper framework that properly um, addresses all the nuances of the phenomenon no human drive framework in the past uh, sufficiently um, you know addresses it so what this presentation will be about at contact in the desert is my attempt at proposing an entirely new framework to studying these things and within that framework, I've uh, proposed three subfields to start with, and these three subfields. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to. I'll, I'll give you an example of a couple of them. Yeah, so, please. Uh, one is locatio genesis, and uh, what locatio genesis means is locatio comes from the word location. Genesis is the origin. So, what we are trying to understand, and the goal of locatio genesis, the goal of practicing it. Is determining all of the possible places that life can be found. So, right now, you know, we have a very primitive understanding of where life can be discovered, right? We only think or we only know that we, it can be discovered on Earth. And even then, we let's say that imagine in a beautiful blue sky world, we understood the physics of why life originated in the first place. There's this idea. Uh, called the Darwin's Pool of Life. Essentially, this concept that if you have a bunch of basic chemicals, including phosphorus and carbon, you'll eventually get uh, lifelike behavior. You'll get very simple unicellular organisms, and then you'll move up from that. Here's the crazy part. We have never observed life being created out of nothing, essentially, or out of even the basic elements. We don't see that in the, in the lab. Uh, or or frankly, the real world. So the underlying thermodynamical conditions and the physics that is necessary for life to exist is not fully known. Once we know that, we'll be able to pinpoint uh, where else life can exist. So for example, let's say we find out that in fact, there are more dimensions than the four that we're typically used to in our macroscopic bodies and there turns out to be 10 dimensions, 20 dimensions, then location genesis would take that physics and it would combine it with the physics of life and tell you exactly what we should expect and the kinds of life that can evolve in these higher dimensions. And it's an attempt to try to pinpoint the originations of the phenomenon.
1: That does sound fascinating. And if people want to see that, then they can certainly get their tickets for contact in the desert. Deep I would be remiss not to ask you about your thoughts on the revelations of just the last week where we've had some UFO or UAP drops from George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. Just quickly, what are your thoughts on what we've seen over the last few days? Because I've I've seen you on social media commenting.
0: I, I think it's, uh, I appreciate the question, Annie. I think it is so incredible the area in time that we are living in, in ufology where uh, take a look at the responses of seasoned journalists like Jazz Shaw and Lieutenant Tim, uh, retired Lieutenant uh, Tim McClain, yeah. uh, which is that, their experience in the past dealing with the Pentagon and trying to get even the remotest confirmation of these UAP videos has been stonewalled. it's taken years in some cases, whereas this time it was almost instantaneous. Uh, it's almost as if in, in, it indicates uh, really two possibilities to me. One is that um, the Pentagon is eager <laughs> to, to fool us. You know, that's a really a conspiratorial view. Or the second one is that there has been a legitimate change in the mandate of higher-ups in terms of uh, prioritizing transparency and communication. When you look at the actual objects, the, the, looking at the content of the video, there's a couple of things that strike me. Um, one is that uh, his name is slipping, but there is an expert in night vision and thermal uh, cameras who actually commented that this cannot possibly be bokeh or, or any sort of effect like that. Um, and so there's something interesting there to be said, which is that let's say that these objects are truly real, then we are being told, even if it's, and it would be evident on the video too, we are being told about these incursions that are happening as as early as a year or two ago, Um, Specifically, the most interesting thing to me uh, from a physics and engineering standpoint is how do you possibly levitate a pyramid, right? A pyramid has no flight surfaces, has no propulsion system. And even if it did, you would hear it. That's the crazy thing. A a pyramid of the acclaimed size, you would hear if there was some secret rotor inside of it. And it wouldn't be controlled flight because again, it has no wings. It would fly all over the place randomly. So I think that these are interesting revelations to say the
1: least hopefully we get some more in the coming days and weeks it's still been controversial there's all sorts of people online and i don't want to necessarily say debunking but there's a lot of people just very reluctant to to think this is anything other than a conventional aircraft with you know flashing lights or reflections and a lot of eyewitness testimony and then just this afternoon i've read that someone, uh, Dave Beatty, I believe, has messaged someone he knows, one of his contacts, who has commented saying that I went to see, didn't see any pyramid shaped objects on board, so... There's still loads of information coming out. Um, it's it's exciting, though, for me. Obviously, I lean towards this. This is coming out for a reason, but it's, it's one to definitely keep an eye on. Deep, uh, people can go back and listen to my interview with you from last year. Uh, we talked about a few controversial issues around the time, but we talked about a few mo- some other subjects as well. And it would be great to have you back on the podcast in the coming months uh, properly for a longer interview.
0: Yep, we'll
1: make it happen at some point. We'll make it work, Andy. I look forward to it. Deep, one last thing. How can listeners find and get in touch with you?
0: <laughs> really follow me on Twitter. As silly as that sounds, that's the place where I'm most active when it comes to UAP research. I also share quantum computing related research and material science if anyone's interested in that. Um, and I know you know a lot of people have a uh, passion in that too. So yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Um, and my username is at Deep Neuron,
1: D-E-E-P-N-E-U-R-O-N. D-E-E-P-N-E-U-R-O-N. Awesome. Thanks for that, Deep. And remember, folks, you can see Deep and over 60 other speakers at Contact in the Desert running from the 25th to the 28th of June. Tickets are on sale now at www.contactinthedesert.com. Thanks again, Deep.
0: Thank you so much, Andy. Have a great day and keep up the great work.